Hello and welcome to another episode of Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. I am Dr. Dustin Smith and my co-host is Dr. Danielle LaPointe and I'm excited today because we have a, a guest from North Carolina, a veteran in the athletic administrator world and, and that guest is Darren Coe. Darren, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm, I hope everybody, uh, hope you guys are both enjoying your mornings and, and ready for an exciting, beautiful week of athletics across the country. Yeah, it's, it's here and honest. Uh, and so we want to say thank you for joining us, Darren, but also want to thank Tickets Picket, who is the official ticketing partner with the NIAAA. So we're excited because they make every episode possible with uh, Paradox. So we're excited to have Tickets Picket as our sponsor. And I'm going to ask Danielle, my co-host, to do the introduction of Darren, the formal introduction. But before we do that, Danielle had an encounter of uh, epic proportions today. And so we're <laughs> thankful that she's here with us today, Jill. Glad you, you survived the alligator encounter. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you doing that. It's yeah, real no. live stuff. We got to deal with that. <laughs> we did. I did have an alligator encounter this morning. It was It was scary, but I'm here. So. Uh, I'm excited that Darren is here with us as well. Morning, Darren. How are you? Great, thank you. Glad you um, on <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Darren Co is in North Carolina, as Justin stated, but he's also a man of many hats. Um, he's the NI AAA liaison for North Carolina. He is faculty for 709 course, um, resolution committee co-chair. Maybe we could use him a little, Dustin. I don't know. Um, He's a board member for multiple things, but I think the biggest number I want to throw out there that blew my mind when, when Darren told me was he is the Wake County um, Athletic Director in North Carolina, and he has 61 schools that have athletics. 25 of those are high schools, and 36 of those are middle schools. So just in case you guys couldn't hear and comprehend what I just said, I'm going to say that again. 61 schools in his county have athletics that Darren is over. And I find that, I mean, the fact that you are already sitting on committees and doing all of this professional development and making our profession better is amazing. But on top of that, you are over 61 schools and that is very impressive. So thank you for carving out the time and night. You're very busy scheduled to talk to us today. Oh, absolutely. Happy to be here. I mean, we all, we all take on whatever we can handle and, and we all find ways to serve. And, and quite frankly, my involvement with the NIAAA, I, I see that as my way to actually be a sponge and learn from the others around me. So happy to stay involved in, in all of those different pieces of, of my career. Well, I've actually taken a class with Darren has taught um, via the, the social media, or I say social media platform, the uh, online technology was able to take a webinar. Um, uh, I think it's 709. I think that's what you were teaching that I, that I took. Um, but you and Colin uh, taught that course. Uh, I think it was in the spring. Uh, but I took that course from Darren, who, who's a national faculty member, as Danielle mentioned. Uh, but but what I like to ask Darren is, tell us what the resume is not going to tell us about who Darren Coe is. We can talk about all the accolades. We can talk about all the involvement in the NIAAA and the North Carolina Athletic Directors Association. But aside from that, what makes Darren Darren aside from being an athletic administrator? Uh, I think number one is I'm a dad. I think that's, that's what makes me me. I'm a dad and a husband to... Uh, my wonderful kids. I've got a 12-year-old daughter who is a seventh grade, seventh grader in one of our middle schools. Um, her name is Sinclair, and I've got a, a great son who is a third grader at one of our elementary schools named Jonah. 
my wife, Leslie, is also in education. She works in the private school world. Um, we've both been in education together for a while. So um, ultimately, dad and husband. But then, you know, my outside of work, I, I listen to a, a lot of music and, and like to get out in the woods and hike, state parks, national parks, all that good stuff. Um, just try to find ways to clear your head when you've got all kinds of uh, all kinds of things pulling you at work all the time. Just try to find ways to relax and let go. And music and hiking are kind of my two ways. Not playing music, just listening to music. But um, outside of spending time with family, that's that's what I like to do. I can relate. I've got a 13 year old daughter and then a third grade daughter as well. So we're relatively close with the kids as far as that is concerned. But um, what when we want to talk about where you're at geographically paint on a map for people that may not understand where exactly you are in North Carolina. Can you paint that on the map for us? Sure. So um, North Carolina is kind of a long state east to west. Uh, Wake County is Raleigh. It is is the capital city of Raleigh is in Wake County. Um, our big towns are, are Cary, which is um, C-A-R-Y, which is actually where my office is located, which is just on the outskirts of Raleigh, kind of smack in the middle of NC State. UNC's right down the road, Duke up the road, Winston-Salem, where Wake Forest is, a lot of universities. Um, we have uh, a couple of HBCUs right here in Shaw and NCA&T. So we're in the middle of, of college basketball, college football right now, um, but about two hours from the coast and about three hours from the mountains. So North Carolina, we we kind of like to say from Murphy to Manio, which are uh, two geographically very different areas of the state. But uh, we, we cover the whole gamut from from beaches to mountains and everything in between. So kind of right in the heart of heart of the state in the capital city. So I'm going to I'm going to throw out Cary, North Carolina, because that is it still the home of Division two national or College World Series? Yeah. So USA Baseball is actually their national headquarters are here in Cary. Uh, so, yeah, the, the College World Series has been here. The NCAA Division One Men's and Women's Soccer Championships will both be held at uh, Wake Med Soccer Park right here in Cary this year. It's kind of become a little hotbed for college and amateur sports. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a great location, easy to get to on the Atlantic coast between New York, you know, going up and down between New York and, and Florida. It's kind of halfway between the two. So uh, it's a great location, great college sports. And and even some growing professional sports. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes are less than a mile from my home, and I'm a, a big hockey fan having grown up in, in Western Pennsylvania uh, in, in the early 90s when the, the Penguins were in their first heyday. So it's it's a great town. But, yeah, college baseball is, is huge, college basketball uh, and college soccer, kind of a little bit of everything. College football, we had a very exciting weekend this weekend with some of our larger ACC teams with UNC playing App State and NC State playing – Eastern East Carolina. So uh, some great sports all over the place here uh, across across the, the North State. Well, a great leadership study is North Carolina's women's soccer program and uh, what they've done and the success they've had. And that coach has been phenomenal. I've read a couple of books that he's he's written or made a part of. And it's it's phenomenal. And you've got that right there. at your back door. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny you bring that up. Uh, Anston Dorrance, obviously. And and uh, I was the soccer coach uh, before I was an athletic director. And my, when my daughter left the hospital, my, my daughter, like who I told you, is 13 now, 12 now, being will be 13 coming up. Um, she left the hospital in a Carolina blue onesie that said class of 28 on the front with a soccer ball. And on the back, it said, Coach Dorrance, I'm ready to sign. 
<laughs> left the hospital and uh, she's been playing soccer ever since. I'm not sure she's going to play at UNC, uh, but she enjoys the game and loves the game. And she attended UNC women's soccer camp last summer. And we actually took a photo of her in that and emailed it to UNC back with the, the year she was born. And one of their um, uh, assistant coaches emailed us back and said, due to NCAA regulations, we can't discuss the class of 28 at this point in time, but we love the picture. We actually took that picture with us to camp and she took it up to Coach Dorrance and autographed it. So we've got it in the house now. It's kind of a Carolina soccer is is a a special thing for sure. That's a fun story. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that she was a newborn and they can't discuss <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little tongue in cheek. We we had right. some friends being a being a soccer coach here. We had some friends. It was a little tongue in cheek, but there probably you know could have been some some NCAA compliance issues there. Who knows, right? Yeah, it's better to err on the side of caution than to get down that road and have a violation for sure. Well, that's I, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around 61 schools with athletic programs and the headaches, the uh, the celebrations obviously could be there as well, but that number of headaches could be quite large. And I think about your time serving in that position. There's got to be some stories that are wow stories, the moments that just kind of say, oh, did that really just happen as we try to unpack those with this with this podcast? I can only imagine the level of those. I was going to say, I don't want to set any expectations, but like, that's a lot of issues that could potentially occur. You've been doing this for like 18 years too. So like there's, that's a, man, you yeah, probably have well, I've been in this role going on 10 uh, mm-hmm. with school-based athletic director before that, you know, honestly in this role, it, it's more of the, Oh no moments rather than the exciting, funny things. It, it's right. more of the putting out fires and, and, and uh, arming the athletic directors and coaches at the school. So they have what they need to do their job. So it's, mm-hmm. I don't have as many crazy stories um, from this role, but maybe for some previous roles. I think maybe one of the, an interesting phone call I, I got one of my first years here is, you know, as you noted, we have 25 high schools. And when I started in this role, we had 19. So we've opened six high schools in the past nine years. We're very rapidly growing part of the, part of the country. Um, I got a, a phone call from an angry parent in the area where the new school was being built saying that I heard that you're, the mascot is going to be the Rainbow Warriors. And there's no way that my daughter and son are going to go to a high school named the Rainbow Warriors. And it was just like, I'm not sure where you got that one. But no, it, it's uh, not too many crazy stories here. You know, I hear a lot of difficult things and, and some challenging things that, that I have to help with. But um, most of those probably aren't appropriate to discuss. <laughs> Most of those end up in human resources. Well, I was going to say, so just to clarify, you didn't name your school Rainbow Warriors. No, no. At that point in time, it wasn't in my role to name the the mascots of the schools. It is now, but at that point, uh, they became the Patriots. It was Apex Friendship High School, uh, which is one of our newer high schools, and they were the Patriots. So they are not. So not even close. Not even close. (laughs) That's funny. We have um, a system. Um, some of the schools I've worked at where the community gets to vote on the colors and the mascot. And um, I, I always get nervous because I'm like, oh, it's, it's so hard to sometimes plan. Oh, we lost, 
we lost Dustin. We shall continue on until he comes back. Um, but it's sometimes hard to plan. Like I, I was at a school once we talked about colors before on the podcast where like, it's hard to get the correct color. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not worth it <laughs> to, to have a difficult color. Yeah. Yeah. It is challenging, right? It's, it's trying not to duplicate things that are in the geographical area, but, but then also trying to honor the, any traditions in those communities and, and yep. try to balance that while, while get, gathering input from folks. Uh, the process used to be that the principal um, just selected the colors and mascots. And a lot of times that turns out great. A lot of times principals choose something that they just love, but maybe the community doesn't. Uh, and principals, you know, typically aren't out of school for dozens and dozens of years. So uh, the process now is we do solicit some community input and then we kind of look at what's in the area and and, and uh, make a decision that we feel is best. But you're right when you're when you're talking about buying cloth and and helmet decals and all that kind of stuff. You want to get something that's going to be readily available and not always have to be custom. Yes. And and take forever to make. And yeah, no, it's and you don't really think about it until you're at a school that has the, that issue. And you're like, why is this such an issue? Why is gold different at every company? Like, right. why? What's, the What's the PMS Pantone of this color? Right? Yeah. 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 So, yes, I understand, uh, you know, your pain on that for sure. Um, anything else? What else you got? I mean, I like your system of how you pick a mascot. doesn't put it all in the community. doesn't put it all on the people who are working there. It's kind of a nice little mixture. So so that's a good one. But you don't, you don't think you got anything that's... Uh, Nothing too crazy from this, from my role here. You know, I've uh, I've heard stories from my ads where you know we were talking about some animals earlier. We had a goat that got stuck in the tennis courts at, at one of our high schools, <laughs> um, just kind of randomly. It was across the street from a farm. You know, we have a very very diverse uh, district here. We still have some some rural areas out in the um, you know as, as you go away from Raleigh in the county. Uh, so, but no, I, I, honestly, the day to day here is is just hearing hearing issues hearing problems and planning and budgeting and uh, it, it's not all of you know overly entertaining some days but but I even you know I, I always kind of say you know even on even on a bad day I still get to talk about sports so mm-hmm. e- even when it's maybe the bad side of sports I still am talking about sports we're talking about games so what better job could you have than to even when it's not going well you're still talking about something that people love now you're absolutely right. And um, I love that that's your outlook. It's it's amazing. But sometimes parents get really passionate, right? They get overly passionate. They can't see that this is just a game or just a year or just a season. Um, and they get a little passionate. And I've, I've heard that perhaps you've had a parent maybe show up at your house before. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, a couple of times. I must I, know more. I, I must know more. <laughs> previous, previous to this position, but uh, in in one of my prior jobs, I had uh, had a parent show up at my front door. My wife uh, was actually the cheerleading coach at the school that I was the athletic director and soccer coach at. This is 15 plus years ago, um, and we had a parent show up at the door because his daughter wasn't named captain of the cheerleading team. And uh, yeah, that's it. And, you know, my wife can handle her own business. So I let her handle it because he came to talk to her. Uh, But I just kept an ear and a presence nearby just in case I had to step in. Wait, wait. We've had a couple of those situations. You know, we had. Wait, wait. So the parent didn't even come to see you. Whenever they became ineligible. Um, So, yeah, those things happen. But part of that, it's the good and the bad of being in small knit communities because you want to be open and accessible 
and, and be able to allow people to be heard. But not everybody understands where the line is sometimes. But, you know, well, you take the good with the bad. I was going to say, so they, the parent didn't even come to see you. You happen to have the same last names. I don't know if that's better or worse, to be honest, that they went directly to the coach or, or I don't know, but that's pretty, that's pretty intense. Um, I mean, to show up at somebody's home, not even their Mm -hmm. place of work. You know, we've had ninja moms get into offices and we don't know how they've gotten in there. We've even had parents who have been Uber drivers and the AD's been kind of stuck in the car with them. But this, you're just minding your own business and someone comes. Well, I think. I think any anybody who's in a in a role of an athletic director position is a very public position, and and truthfully, I think you do need to be able to stay open and available. Um, the number of grocery store conversations I've had with people who I had no idea who they were, but they knew they had seen me at a meeting or they had heard you know me speak somewhere and wanted to share their opinions uh, with me. I mean, you know. You take it in, and if they cross the line, you just have to eventually tell them, you know, thank you. I, I'm on my personal time now, and you know, here's my email address. I'm happy to talk to you, you know, another time. But you can't fault people for being passionate because the number one thing in their lives is their kids, and even if they're yelling, screaming, upset about it, it's because they think they're doing what's right for their kids. So as long as we keep that in the forefront of our minds as athletic directors and administrators and school employees, I think. That, that's what has to stay at the front of our minds is they are passionate because it's something, there's nothing else in this world that they care more about than their own children. And we just have to understand that. So do you have to understand it when they just show up at your house? I mean, how did you handle that? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I, I was, I was a, a much greener athletic director at that point in time. Um, so that I don't really remember how that shook out afterwards. I'm sure my principal was involved. I had I had great principal. I've had always had great principals. I've had tremendous leaders that have supported me over the years. So I kind of feel like probably the next Monday morning or whatever the next workday was that 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 gentleman ended up uh, having a conversation with my principal, who probably explained the line to him a little cleaner than I would have as a green AD 15 to 20 years ago. And you didn't have a resource officer there that you could have called over and said, hey, I need you to interfere or need you to come escort this person away. This is a personal residence. I don't even know if we had cell phones then, to be honest. We lived <laughs> in the school. So, I mean, we, we could walk to work. So everybody knew where we lived. So it was, again, that's, but that's the good thing, right? It's, it's part of being a, a, a tight-knit community that cares passionately for athletics and for their kids. So. I like that you keep putting the positive spin on it and you're like, everyone's passionate, but like they still showed up at your home. (laughs) (laughs) People make mistakes, right? But they're making them because they, they, they care about the kids, you know, everybody and not everybody has the same uh, understanding of, of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Now, Dustin, first, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dustin. I I was going to ask, did you at any point say, I don't care about your kid right now. I can care about them tomorrow when I'm in the office, but right now. I'm... So back then, you know, I, I don't, I probably didn't say a whole lot. I probably did a lot more listening and, and just, you know, and that's even, you know, when we talk about my current role now, a lot of times when parents call, they need to be heard, right? And, and they want somebody else to just validate, you know, should I be upset about this? Or is this a problem that should escalate all of, 
all the way to the, the, the director of athletics at Central Services. And typically it's not. Uh, and I just listen and, and then redirect a lot of their conversations back to the school level. And, and quite frankly, that a lot of times just listening and, and letting them know, yes, that probably could have been handled better and validating that their emotions uh, or their opinions sometimes takes the wind out of the sails and, and the phone call ends there. And, and maybe they don't even call the school back on a lot of occasions because, uh, you know, they've been listened to and they've been heard. You mentioned it. They're passionate about their kids. That's their most valuable possession. And they want to make sure that their kids are being represented well and that they're having a great experience. And sometimes those blinders may interfere with some decision making. Clearly, in this case, they were just going to the house to say, hey, I'm going to solve this problem. Just go show up at the house. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, the thing about that, too, like, let's not slice over the fact that, like, the kid made the team that just wasn't captain. Like, this wasn't, like, a cut issue. It was, like, not being named captain, which is a very large deal to the kids on the team, but isn't, I guess, as, uh, I don't know, dominant as someone getting cut, maybe. Right. So right. it's a smaller issue. Sure. And, and quite frankly, I, I mean, th- I'm not sure if the if the student athlete was even aware that her father came to the house or not. You know, <laughs> back, she she and and, uh, and, and co- the other coach go have uh, still have a good relationship this day. So I mean, it all worked out and everything was fine. It was just you know one of those things that happens. But you know that's well, just a small piece of of the you know my my 20 plus years in in athletic administration or coaching and and, and teaching. It's it was a small small little blip on the radar of just something that may that happened years ago. But to me, it's not, it wasn't a hugely impactful piece of my life or, or my career. Um, but just certainly something that, yeah, probably shouldn't have happened, but no, definitely shouldn't have happened. But, <laughs> and I like too, that you, you've said it a couple of times now that, um, you would, that happened a long time ago and how you handled it then maybe wouldn't have been the same way you've handled it now. And, you know, times have changed. So I think that's an important thing, especially for when younger eighties are listening that the way I handled something 10 or 15 years ago or Darren did or Dustin did may not be the same way. Now you have a little more confidence in your abilities and you kind of know what you kind of can't do. Um, and that's a good thing to kind of grow from. Like, this is what I did then, but this isn't how I would handle it now. So that's the whole point of these stories. Right. Um, right. And I think I'll, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, that, that growth for me came through my involvement in, the North Carolina Athletic Directors Association, the NIAAA, the leadership development programs, and 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 just somebody who is continually searching out advice or sharing and and sharing and gathering information from others, like other folks that you've had on the show. Uh, Lannis Robinson is a you know a resource for so many across the country. Daryl Nance and you know and so many others who are in similar roles as a district athletic director at a large district that you know we we can call each other and and grow from each other's experiences. So I think professional professional organizations and and having that opportunity to network and and understand that your challenges aren't only your challenges other other folks across the country have dealt with and are still continuing to deal with similar problems or challenges so let me ask this question darren as soon as said parent left what was the conversation like with the other coach co i mean what was that discussion like between the two of you so the other coach co is um <laughs> she, she is a little more um 
how do I say this without her? You know, I just, I told you, we, we just made it to Labor Day. Um, <laughs> she, she's very strong <laughs> she stands on her own. She doesn't need me to, to back her, support her, although I'll always be there to support her. Um, the other coach, Co, probably handled it with a few more colorful words than I would have. Um, she's, you know, she's a tough girl from Long Island and no one's going to tell her what to do. So, <laughs> and you weren't you weren't coaching at the time, were you? You weren't soccer coach at that time, or were you? Yeah, I was. I think I was in both roles. I was athletic director and soccer coach at that time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the parent yeah. knew that, right? The parent knew that, like, he was not only going to the coach's home but also the AD's home. Like, I, I wonder if he was aware of that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And the timeline might be a little foggy again. Yeah. The distance. I, I mean, yeah. not. Been the athletic director. I may have just been assisting. I, I, it's it's still kind of a little, you know, a little blurry back then. Um, either way, it doesn't make it right. <laughs> no, it's not okay either way. <laughs> <laughs> so Dustin commented on how you didn't have um, an SRO, you know, at your house to to back you up and support you. But that's not the only time that you've been left without security or SROs or police officers, especially at like important things like football games. Is it? Yeah, no, I mean, that's certainly been a challenge, even up to in, in current times, right? We, we with SROs and, and uh, re, you know, our, obviously we have them at all of our high schools and in our middle schools, but off-duty officers who, who give their time to, to work our contests, that's a challenge, right? And, and they're being stretched thin across the country, and, and we certainly ran into some of the challenges this year. But yeah, one of my first, one of my first years as an athletic director, I, I took over in the middle of a year. And uh, there was a a, um, a fight that broke out at a basketball game in our gym. And, and I was actually away at a national soccer coaches conference when this happened. Um, but then the police off, there was a police officer who unfortunately slipped on the on the floor because of the mace powder after, you know, it was a pretty significant altercation. You skipped over that someone got maced during the fight. Like, he was like <laughs> somebody. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it was a fight that. Shouldn't have happened, obviously. I don't <laughs> want to, you know, go down that path. We're tr- we're trying to create better sportsmanship opportunities, and it, it was flip on like again, you know, something that happened that shouldn't have happened, and you know, um, kids and parents sometimes getting too exuberant. But uh, it, it it was handled well by the police officers uh, eventually. But they're the, one of the older gentlemen who worked at the in this small town police force hurt his knee and he slipped and fell and it was workman's comp claim. And it's kind of those weird pieces of you're an off-duty officer who we are employing to work our contests, but we did it, you know, we gave them checks directly. We paid them and it wasn't necessarily a contract with the police force. Through the police so department. It was, so it became a, uh-oh, who's covering the workman's comp for this gentleman? And, you know, this is end of February, somewhere, January, February. Um, and we didn't have SROs at our games or off-duty officers at our spring games. We didn't have a lot of large contests in the spring, maybe occasionally at a at a track meet. Um, but we got the football season the next year. And the day of the first varsity football game, we still were trying to negotiate uh, an agreement with the local police force to cover our games. So, yeah, it was a, a, a huge challenge. And I've always 
I always know, I've always understood how important it is to have the presence of law enforcement and SROs and um, and administration in all of our contests. Um, but certainly going into my first home varsity football game and the day of the game, not knowing if we were going to have uh, police officers or an SRO at the contest was a, a nerve wracking experience for sure. But luckily the folks who in my previous district who worked in central services ironed out that problem and it was more of me just being on the sidelines, waiting and hoping and praying that that it was going to get worked out, and it did, and it did. But it was it was nerve wracking to say the least. So I, I got some questions that are just <laughs> in my mind right now, and I've got to go back to this mace residue comment that you made <laughs> that the officer slipped on. This was not the officer's mace. I'm not sure if it was that officer's mace, but. Uh, Officers did did have to use uh, mace in the gym that that evening. And again, I wasn't I unfortunately wasn't there. It was one of my first one of my first home basketball games. But I had committed my soccer team was was winning a national academic award. Uh, and I was either in Baltimore or some conference location and um, to receive that award for my team. And I was getting phone calls from uh, the local sports media asking me where I was and the media was telling me what happened. And then finally I got in touch with my principal who explained the situation to me. But, but yeah, um, I had some, some parents that at the end of a game during the handshake line, some coaches were a little out of line and then parents tried to join in and, and, and Mace had to be sprayed, unfortunately. So. So you're not saying this was like a major league baseball when they cleared the benches and just get out there and kind of, laugh at each yeah, other or whatever they do. This is a full-fledged Donnybrook. Uh, you know, I've not seen video of it, to be honest with you, but it was not pretty. Um, and there were some punches thrown and, and, and some things that occurred, uh, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been because law enforcement was there to help handle it. And again, we have to always understand the important and value of having those individuals at our contests. So, um, and, and, you know, like, we, we've all heard the stories and, and, and uh, you know, we've listened to presentations from, from, from Jay Hammes and, and others who do great presentations about security at events. And we actually just had Jay do a, a, um, a webinar for us here in North Carolina just two weeks ago. Uh, but certainly we always have to be aware and, and prepared for anything that can happen at our contest because our ultimate responsibility is to keep people safe. Um, so, so luckily the law enforcement, they did their job and they did it well because it could have been much worse. Well, and then you're, you're on pins and needles waiting in August to make sure you got a security there for a football game. I mean, this is, this had a residue effect, pardon the pun, but it had a residue effect, not just the mace residue, but the residual effect of, am I going to have them when I need them in, in football season? Sure. Yeah. But, but quite frankly, it probably needed to get something needed to happen to create change, right? We don't usually create change until there's discomfort. And, and I think the discomfort of understanding between the town and the police force and the school system as to who was going to play, take care of this gentleman's working with comp claim uh, turned it into a greater conversation of, okay, we've always done it this way. We've always just handed a check to these officers. Maybe we need to formalize this agreement a little better. So, I mean, it ended up being a good thing and it created better practices and procedures for everybody and made sure that those uh, very valuable officers were protected whenever they were working for us. 
but it, but it also created a lot of stress for you on yeah. waiting to see if you were going to get a game on, you know, resource or, you know, officers for, for a football game, because I can't imagine, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And if we didn't have officers ready to go for a game, like, I don't know if I'd have the game. Like I really would have to think about what I would do. And and that's kind of where we were with it, right? Are we going to have to cancel this game or move it to the different municipality and, and, and lose a home game? So all of those conversations were happening, uh, you know, as we, as we moved up to the, to the timing of the decision of, of what's, what are attorneys and the town's attorneys and the school system's attorneys and everybody going to work out. So yeah, it was definitely, it was pins and needles for sure. For sure. Because really we wanted to provide our kids an opportunity, uh, not just the kids on the field, but the, the kids in the community to come see a game, but to see it in a safe environment. Well, and that's something that you, you know, did everything you were supposed to do. You had, you paid officer to be there. The officer handled the situation correctly. Something, you know, something happened and now you're still the one you can't fix it. You can't do anything, but you're still the one who it's affecting. And that, that seems to be a thing that EDs have to deal with more often than I wish that they had to. But I also want to comment that I did not know that Mace left a residue, a powder residue. So now whatever happened in the gym, I would now know that, but I, I wouldn't know to clean that up because I didn't, I didn't know that it would leave a powder on the floor. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was a powder or just a wet, a wet, you know, it, it, the floor got wet or exactly what it was. But yeah, it, it definitely created the issue where, where he slipped and fell on his knee. So, um, yeah, fortunately, I haven't been around Mace and, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully uh, <laughs> don't have to be in a situation like that either. Yeah, no, I, that, that's just a side thought, right? Because if that happened in my, you know, in my gym, then I, I don't think I would have been like, oh, let me go check that area. Right. And make sure that there's nothing on the floor. It wouldn't have been my first. It will be now, but it wouldn't have been (laughs) my first thing. Hopefully that never happens. Dustin, now you're breaking up, Dustin. I think we have a bad connection, but like, I'm not sure. Have you ever been maced before? I have not been maced. (laughs) But my question is, Darren, you've been so positive. You spent everything to the positive. This uh, this caused change was something that was different that you needed. Um, you know, the parent was just passionate about their kid when they came to your house. Uh, you've spun so many things positive. My question to you is, can you spin a positive encounter with an alligator? Can you make that positive like what Danielle dealt with earlier today? Well, I mean, certainly I'd imagine and, and having met Danielle at, at the state conference here in North Carolina and um, I, I know that when she presents and when she is teaching a class or is working in another capacity, she likes to dress in a very professional way. So it's very possible that if she were a boot maker, maybe she would have had herself a new pair of alligator boots. There's <laughs> <laughs> an opportunity to look best. for alligator hide to create a new pair of boots. This is the best way you could have answered that question. Well done, Darren. <laughs> Justin's to set you up twice now with your wife and then with me, and you did very well both times. <laughs> it was it was not a setup with his wife. It was just a, co- a question of what that conversation was like. <laughs> also a setup. <laughs> Uh, and I, I've heard great things about the North Carolina AD conference because my buddy Dion Burks was in attendance this year. He won that at the uh, the national convention last year. Won that two or won that stay. So he was out there from 
Arkansas and got the experience what they do at North Carolina. And from all reviews that I get, if you get a chance to go to North Carolina's AD conference, you need to do it. Yeah, we're, we're very proud of it. You know, we're very proud of, of our association and, and the history of our association, the professionalism. Uh, a lot of it started with, with uh, the late, great Jerry McGee, and, and, uh, who was a, a power at the national level, uh, and, and Roy Turner, who's our current executive director. It's just a, a, a great volunteer organization that uh, puts on a phenomenal conference, and it's, it's actually a, a small handful of people that do the majority of the work, and, and the majority of that is, is Roy and Rhonda, and Roy's wife, Rhonda, who's his right hand, and um, and then a handful of others. So all the credit to them for the great conference and and the the vision of Jerry McGee before him to uh, to really kind of pave the way for all of us to to have a great a great opportunity. But yeah, I, I met your, I met your uh, your friend. I actually was the one who probably handed him uh, pulled his number at the national conference up there on stage and then handed him the uh, the award and got to meet him this this past spring in Wilmington and and this coming year. Uh, hey, all comers, this is our fiftieth. Our 50th state conference coming up this uh, this coming late March, early April in Wilmington, North Carolina, right on right on the coast. So we'd love to have people from all across the country come celebrate the 50th year of the North Carolina Athletic Directors Association with us. Well, don't tempt me with a good time. I can't really. Real good friends with Roy. Uh, we were in the cohort together, so having me there. Mm, Dustin, you're kind of breaking up a bit. I don't know if you can hear him fully, Darren. I think you said don't don't tempt you with a good time, but here here's oh. what I'll say, Dustin. <laughs> I'll say this, right? Um, there's never been a better a better year to come. So we would love to have you and you know, maybe Paradox live from the NCADA State Conference. That sounds like love it. Know, we could have we could have the podcast live right there and you can get uh, some some other guests on the program. I, that sounds like an opportunity, don't you think so? I love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. We're in. Yep, we're in. <laughs> well, Darren, thank you so much for, you know, taking your time out of your incredibly busy schedule to hang out with both of us. I'm sorry for some of our technical difficulties we're having this morning, but Dustin lives in Arkansas, so we got to deal with that. I don't even know if he can hear that I'm giving him low blows right now, but um <laughs> I think you're shaking your head yes I'm not sure but um but yeah thank you very much for being with us today thanks Dustin for trying to to hop on and, and get through some of your connectivity issues and um you know thank you to Tickets Picket for making all of our episodes and sponsoring us and making our episodes possible absolutely glad to be here thanks for the conversation it's been fun and uh, I look forward to, to seeing you all in Nashville yep absolutely 